Greetings, this is Larry D. Giles. It's um, Sunday, May 1st, 2022. Uh, you probably haven't heard from me in a while. Uh, this is true because I worked on a project for uh, a fellow scholar at one of the... Um, Western universities, and that took me a little bit of preparation. Also, I've been under the weather. I take some medication that periodically makes me ill. Anyway, I'm going to try to read this piece. I worked on it, um, writing it, I guess. Uh, I wrote most of it, actually, in about a day, but I've been revising it from time to time. I like it a lot. Uh, not because it's particularly artistic, but it's just something about the level of nostalgia and the simplicity with which the details are related that I like. Um, it doesn't pretend to be other than what it is. And um, it gives details about the emotional life of, of the narrator without making them particularly depressing or sobby. And I haven't practiced reading this, so God only knows what's going to happen. And I'm using my phone, so you have to jump from screen to screen and sometimes something gets lost in the process but here go here i go let's see i like to talk a little bit before starting a piece because i am doing this as a form of uh, podcasting i guess um in case i never get to read these in any other fashion I I thought a lot about how this piece began. It starts by just talking about the uncle, but it's not so much about the uncle as it is about describing a certain place, a dance hall that the boy goes to when he is 15 or 16. But it uses the uncle as kind of a I guess, an artistic way of getting into the subject matter. But I won't get into the details of, of that. Uh, I can talk about that more later. So let's see if I can get back to this. <laughs> let's see. Again, I have not practiced. I'm just doing this on the spur of the moment. Title, A Place Downstairs in a Basement from the Boy Beside the Woods. Even in the absence of his father, by the time a boy turns 15 or 16, he may have begun to feel his oats. In some ways, he may have a little accepted his parents' divorce even a stepmother's moodiness and interest in only her children. 
Quite possibly the boy feels the oats that others have sowed, or even more than he were longing to sow. Such knowledge may have caused him to be a little peach fuzzy beside himself. The boy is not too young or old to wonder. With the prospect of a bottle given to him from someone at the gate, the second oldest uncle who remained at the farmhouse wasn't much of a goer, though I sense his mind was very active. I would see him stand like a sail in the yard, his mind a million miles away, a flutter with something. I don't think it was flowers, nor was it horses, and he was clearly not a dancer, still only partly a child, but looking a little like a man, even that man in some ways I guess I never fully knew. This I know. I never saw my uncle do anything close to a dance. <laughs> he did, however, when he was sober and feeling something like oats, like country music. Listening to the grand old Opry on the radio, his face high above me would brighten a little, like something special was moving a little up there. The jukebox rhythm and blues, and even Bobby Vinton, I and the younger aunts were getting into, <laughs> he may have only tolerated but man, high or low, he did remind me I was growing quite a feel of something. <laughs> My hair, I guess. <laughs> a pimple here and there. He had started reminding me the day my voice changed. Even out of it, lying beside the bush and bottle, he hid alongside his long legs. I think he still liked seeing me grow. In a good and maybe strange way, he'd become a part of my conscience, the part that wanted to know and feel things. But it also meant I had to go somewhere to sow what he and I maybe saw. <laughs> there was often nowhere to go. Even if I had been friendly with any of the other school boards or those who lived nearby, None of them had a car, though the teacher's son eventually got, uh, it was a bug, I believe. Besides, most of them I wasn't close to anyway. I was quiet, and across family social relationships weren't exactly encouraged. It was okay for Dale, our kind of estranged cousin, to come to the farmhouse and play clue or whatever, old maid, but no other relationship seemed to be encouraged. It may have not been my grandparents' ways as much as my own ways. Despite my jaunts from house to house, I had grown up rather passive and alone. If I saw anyone, it was maybe Trudale or my cousin Jerry looking through a fence and to be honest, they sometimes seemed as clueless as I. Isolation. Singular music. If any. Across the field next door, my father never came over.
work consumed him, I guess, and other tunes I was not privy to. When younger, though she was still quite young, his wife, my stepmother, I think, had known all kinds of dances. But then he wasn't allowed to try anything, <laughs> nor had he tried much on my mother. Like his brother, my father was a plain Bob for whom music and dancing were simply not a part of manhood. No much of anything except maybe a stifled grunt. <laughs> that said, there was talk, however, that at 22 he had gotten my mother pregnant with me when he took her and some of her friends to a dance. Though next door with his new home and family, my father was somewhat an empty floor to me. And I, the loose laces of one of the shoes in the corner, no chords, no sound, only the desire for something. I would have to make myself wrapped rather randomly in the context of how could you ever want to dance with anyone? The youngest uncle, who often gave me a hard time and who pretended he could do anything and would snap his husky fingers just to be cute, was far, was too far ahead of me in years for me to follow anywhere. And besides, I wasn't sure I wanted to follow him if he allowed me to. He was into baseball, a referee or something, and cutting hair and cutthroats and bootleg and stuff. <laughs> also, the very young and pretty light-skinned sister of my stepmother, which I probably didn't think was all that good of an idea, even though she looked like she could have been my sister. But the biggest thing was he was a bully. <laughs> and crass, and I was interior and quiet, maybe even delicate. The second oldest aunt was away in college, and even if she were home, she wasn't either so much of a goer. Certainly not anywhere where a boy could get a good look at her. <laughs> she had been shy and found something she loved in the arms of a back room with a jet magazine or book. She loved the kisses of her eldest brother sent home in letters and parcels and papers. She needed no more than to be in love with him across the miles. The youngest aunt, however, was different. Along with her tendency to berate my grandmother for caring for me, she had oats, and they were seeding like gangbusters and wild onions. Despite her ability to give me a hard time, she could also be in her own way, sometimes supportive, or at least a leader. Quite possibly, she used me for selfish reasons. <laughs> Either way, I followed her wide plaid hips in a nice plaid skirt up the road to the juke store. 
across the field to our cousins to see Dick Clark's American Bandstand or anywhere that promised some type of something, <laughs> anything but the broke back of the plow. Sunday evenings when the leaves in the lilac bushes were turning yellow. Earlier, if it were Saturday, I think I got those days mixed up. We would put on our new socks and shirts and off we went like some new chickens entering the road that had found the old folk cooped and wistful on the porch. <laughs> when my stepmother's sister started seeing the youngest uncle, she would also be one of the chickens. Her white legs greased down so clean you could see her face up the back of her skirt. <laughs> the uncle was a hot shot or something, so he would have already preceded us in the beat-up Plymouth. We went to the game out in the pasture just over the Griffin Hill. Anywhere there was to be any hint of life not already lived. Where smiles rolled out of the pan-steamed hot dogs and boxes of Cracker Jacks where the little Coca-Cola bottle was slippery, cold, and tasty against lips. In that moment, we were all equal, the new generation that only moved to shake and snap its fingers because that, that's what nature does, move and go. On a number of occasions, I followed her to some little dance dump past the Indian church and many twists and turns way out in the next county. Her and the boy who carried her, knowing if I weren't with them, neither would be there. I say it was a dump, <laughs> which it was, but for us it was some kind of exciting I was the cheese and the boy who drove us the toast. My grandfather had still protested, but invariably my grandmother and aunt would have softened him such that my aunt and I were allowed to go. Only occasionally. Love, I suppose, is always a little awkward. In the back seat, it was no different a little twinge of excitement and anticipation and freedom mixed with I wonder if I should be here. A lonely look out in the yard before a dark field, the back of his head, I didn't know. Her locks, if she hadn't shorn them in some new style, falling down gently as if they were opening like a flower we bumped over stones and rode, sucked in every breath with uneasiness and new expectancy. The dump wasn't new because maybe operating rather secretly for years, I guess back to the 30s, and the matted grass and sand that smelled a little of urine, wild onions and beer. Even in the straggly dark of the twisted stars, I would suddenly see the long rancher pop up like a little casino without lights beside the woods. 
From the front, there was no sign of life, but the backyard before the cornfield going back to the woods was saddled with cars. They held hands with the weedy sides of the windy road. They poked their wide nostrils into high-breasted fields. The customary dipping and rising and bumping over mud holes and dents gave way before, beside a long old skylark or something, where in our roving headlights a man was pressing a young girl, I guess a woman, against its side, where my aunt's toast, both smiley and edgy as a flat, maneuvered us in. I was a bit nervous and excited in the heat, <laughs> not being exactly done myself. <laughs> There was a burly, unusually short man at the back basement entrance. He looked us over as though checking an oven for biscuits <laughs> and smelling my aunt's cologne, I guess, decided we were okay. Plus the toast, I think, lived near him. <laughs> Maybe somebody related to one of his cousins. Another man, not more than 20, was hanging on to the steps leading up to the rancher's main floor and watching as well. But a girl came over to him and started talking like something crazy. She was too loud to be the one I was hoping and not hoping to see. <laughs> The toast, I think, wanting to linger or talk or maybe to promise a $2 favor remained by the entrance, while my aunt and I tipped our toes down the steep stairs as if stepping into a tub with no water. For a while, we floated, mixing into the tangle of sweaty bodies as though we were patches in an old quilt that had decided to fall off the couch. <laughs> A girl pulled my aunt out into the spin of skin, and I found a good safe place by the rafter, holding up the wooden ceiling. It wasn't exactly right for a nephew starting to grow a little fuzz to be too close to his aunt. I knew this, so I made peace with the pole and the pimple I couldn't hide. I wouldn't say I was comfortable. I wouldn't say I was comfortable, nor was it anywhere, just somewhere. And clearly everyone important seemed to love it. I maybe loved it. <coughs> Excuse me. I was not the only one afflicted by rafters and beams. Not far from me through the tangled throng of heads and shoulders, was a teen a little older than me, leaning against, against one and trying to stand up straight. My aunt was doing her best slop just beyond his shoulder. Brushing by to God knows where, I was kind of enamored by his shirt, a psychedelic swirl of pages and chains with a huge medallion swinging back and forth. He was letting his hair grow bushy and wild. I thought it was kind of cool. I had heard he was the proprietor's son and in college. He reminded me of my uncle.
though unlikely then lying under a bush, though I didn't know why, but he smelled a lot like lilacs or something like that. He kind of smiled, but also looked away. But I still thought of college. My aunt by then, I think, was forgetting everything. <laughs> the man I didn't know pulling her close as a piece of ham. <laughs> I think you had to go upstairs for the home-cooked food and beer. At least that's where the sun soon went. And if you were really an outsider, which I certainly was not, the bootleg and whatever else was in one of the several rooms. And besides, by then, bootleg was becoming a little out of fashion, or the sheriff had stolen all of it and put the men in prison. And so there was wild turkey, Virginia gentleman, and that pukey purple stuff. Mad Dog 2020 or something like that. I never went up there. I didn't ever once consider alcohol like two of my uncles did. What it would feel like to be held against another body, however, maybe I did consider. But it was no more and no less than any of the many other thoughts I had and knew and didn't know I had. The music from the large speakers at the west end of the moldy room with the cool, glossy floors seemed to know more about us than we knew about ourselves. It bounced from the dark gray cinder block walls, then stomped on the slick floor. It tickled brown, salty bottoms, bottles and empties, leapt like Chuck Berry and Johnny Taylor down from the rafters as if longing to be in somebody's shorts. <laughs> Even mine, buttoned against the navel, I was hiding and pushing tight. Got to give it up or something like that. Papa's got a brand new bag. To be somebody, you had to dance, or you would look like a jerk a light-skinned clod of dirt beside a road. I found the least of many possibilities. A girl who wouldn't say no because she had on her new purple high pants and they were sticking to her skinny legs. It may have been my cousin who had sneaked in with her older sister who happened to have invented dancing except for her mother who really invented it at my great aunt's juke store, whose mother had invented it a long time before that. <laughs> the hot pants and younger cousin could really go. Her teeny legs strutted out from under her birdie waist. Her chest poked out to announce the new arrival of her breast that knew everything better than any of us. She turned in a circle real smooth and moldy and cool so her hips and I would also know. But they were no match for me, I tell you. Turned out without my consent, my own being swelled up in heat. My skin turned more ruddy, 
something deep pounding to be free to get out. I broke my back way down like an old, old man with a stick. <laughs> then kicked my shoe out real far, like having a drunk conniption. <laughs> if I didn't know better, I would have thought there was something else between my cousin and me. And she, neither her birdie hips likely knew any better either. We were not just dancing with each other, but with everybody. All our people, their short, kooky ways, their hot thighs and gates for years and years, and the letters they wrote but couldn't send because they didn't have any postage. <laughs> Then maybe she forgot the message and she backed it up real good. <laughs> A boy from Upchester or somewhere she knew saved us. He dashed over, got in real tight between us. Shoot, I was the loser, maybe the victor or gentleman. I dropped out for the pole and the smoky breath of those flitting and going and sitting on top of each other on the benches against the wall. A girl in the corner nobody would ask. A slow song came on. And I could see the DJ had us all cornered. Oh, yeah, a loser would stand there alone while he played Clarence Carter back to back with Percy Sledge. I tried it, at first trying to hide my sweaty hands in my shiny jacket. No good. Tried my pants pockets, but neither the six or seven pockets were happy with me. <laughs> they pushed all of the fingers out where they caught again onto the pole that moped up at the ceiling. Down below the bootleg and Mad Dog emptying bottles. The curtains upstairs brushing against closed doors were Maybe a child could imagine anything. Also my uncle. The girl from the corner was knitting her way through the crowd. Their bodies laid against each other like boards. She was going to escape, I think. <laughs> Up the plummeting stairs and out the damn door. <laughs> She brushed into me, but didn't look. I may have been far away. A field, maybe, beside my uncle. A house on a dirt road where someone said, don't tell. A place both like the song. A little happy. A little sad. I grabbed her anyway. Put my hand near her waist. You want to dance? I pulled her kind of close to me. And she came rather slowly, as cold water running into a tub, her arms beneath mine, teetering and strange, but also soft and moldy and strong. Thank you. I like this piece a lot. 
I need to do a little bit more revision, just some minor stuff, but overall, I really like it. And my reading was pretty on point, even though uh, I'm a little tired. But at this point in my life, I'm just delighted to read. So thank you for listening. Bye.